podcast is brought to you by Welcome to another edition of Watch This or Die podcast, your weekly fix for quality movie recommendations. I'm Scott Crowshar. And I'm Matt LaPlante. And we will be your hosts on this cinematic voyage. Now, it is our goal every week to recommend to you a movie that we not only fucking love, but one that we're pretty damn sure you will too. So over the next 100 minutes or so, we're going to do our very best to convince you to go and check out this movie like your life depends on it. Now, without further ado, the movie that we are recommending to you this week is Fury. Sergeant Collier, I'm your new assistant driver. Tank school? That's home. I've never even seen the inside of a tank. You will. I started this war killing Germans in Africa. Now I'm killing Germans in Germany. Been with these fine gentlemen for years. These troops get by you. We're all dead in the water. All we got is you. I won't ask you to do anything I haven't done myself. Comp check. Photo check. Grady check. Bond check. Bob check. peaceful history is violent and welcome into our 36th episode that is absolutely unbelievable that we have now made it to 36 and we haven't killed each other although we are recording this literally 36 hours before it has to go up because you know matt doesn't give a shit about other people's time he basically is uh fucking me over the coals here so just the way he like it <laughs> yeah right just the way you <laughs> like it we are doing fury this week Ah, such a good movie. So uh, much fun to re-watch again. And once again, solidified my belief. This truly is one of the best World War II and one of the best war movies that have been put out in most recent times. Yeah. It stands up every time I've watched it. Does. It does. It does. It was actually the first time I had watched this since its release in 2014. It was one of those films that I watched it during award season and never went back to it. So I probably watched it between October and December time that year. Loved it. Never went back to it again, but always liked it. Like, always just everything all about it is it's one of those things where this is a it's one big moving uh part, you know, it's a machine yeah. film, yep. it's ensemble cast, it's a machine film, and everything's perfect. And David Ayer, you know, this is him shining, you know, we've yeah, uh, it's as crazy. Much as, I look back in his filmography and he wrote Training, Training Day. Day, and then he's yeah. you know, and he also wrote Let's Also Give the Other Side, he was also Fast and Furious as well. Yes. So, he, he grew as a writer. He grew right. as a writer, you know, and then he got he kind of got shit on for Suicide Squad, which deserve it. But for, also, if we got to see maybe his cut, might be a little different, you know. Like again, you see, different. Yeah, 
And there is a there is a people trying to push for that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Warner Brothers is having that again. Obviously, we see how Warner Brothers is. They're not a yeah, production they've... company that people are wanting to deal with really yeah. anymore because creative control, let alone now your uh, release control, is yeah. Yeah. being controlled by them. You know, we know Denny Villeneuve has already said that he doesn't want to do a, a part two to Dune. We might have a one-part Dune film. Yeah, well, I mean, in fairness, if I'm them, we just came from a year of having absolutely no movie theaters, zero things going out, and if you have an opportunity to put on a streaming service as big as HBO's Max is and get a chance to get money, when you're seeing other smaller independent places putting theirs on Amazon and doing on Netflix and all this other stuff yeah. and Hulu, so look, the directors may not like it, but at the end of the day, it is a business, and so I'm not siding always with the business, but I do understand Understand after we've been a year in a pandemic, why they're doing what they're doing? You know, they're going to try to get as many yeah. eyeballs as they can on it. And oh, I so be I it, agree. you know. I bet more people have watched the yeah, the, not just the Snyder Cut, but also Godzilla. King Kong and Godzilla, and also even and I went to see it in the theaters though, Mortal Kombat, which was a, you know mm-hmm. a really fun movie to watch. More people have How probably seen that have, streaming yeah. than they would have gone into the theater because people are still going to be a little nervous about going back to the theater. I have to yeah. be one of those people who, who's not. Uh, I've been vaccinated, but also I know there's hardly Same. anyone in the theater, so I'm not worried about it. You know, like I know where where I'm sitting, and I, I'm not too worried about it. Right. You got to figure market wise. New York, California are the yeah. two biggest states, I would say, for for film. Because you have New York City yes. here, and you got L.A., and then, of course, all of California is just packed with movie theaters. And they haven't finally started opening until now. You know, Tarantino Cinema, the New Beverly, is just finally announced its opening. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, so you can, you can see why Warner Brothers did what it had to do. But David Ayers does an amazing job with this, and we're just going to just fucking jump right into this. We're not going to waste any time, because we're going to probably spend a little bit of time talking about this amazing movie. A grizzled tank commander makes tough decisions as he and his crew fight their way across Germany in April of 1945 in David Ayers' American war film, Fury. I had the best gunner in the entire 9th Army in that seat. Now I got you. I started this war killing Germans in Africa. Now I'm killing Germans in Germany. I promised my crew a long time ago I'd keep them alive. Why are you here? He kills you, or you kill him. I need you to perform. I can't do it! Yes, you can. What happened back there? That's every day. Don't get too close to anyone. You see this right here? That is your heart line. You are going to have one great love in your life. There ain't no crusade together like we have. That's because of him. No one's waiting for us. They're coming. How many? 300 of them. The tank's busted. We ain't never run before. Why are we going to run now? I want to hold this crossroad. What are you doing? It's my home. I'm staying here with you. Now, as we said, it is written and directed by David Ayers. We kind of gave you a little bit of background. And what he can write. He's gotten better at writing, yes. His... He does. This very much taps into his um, training day script. It reminds me a lot of. Yes, yes. Uh, I did see his most recent movie with Shia LaBeouf, which was The Tax Collector. 
it was okay. Did not watch it. It, it was okay. I yeah, it wasn't wasn't great. So a little hit and miss with him. But this is a masterpiece. He really knocked out of the park with this. Like he did an amazing job. If Saving Private Ryan wasn't so great. This is, this is a close second to Saving Private Ryan. I truly, truly believe that this is a very, very good movie. Great ensemble cast. And some would say it's, you know, it's a better war story because if you look at Saving Private Ryan, and we both made it our, our favorite, and I absolutely love Saving Private Ryan, it is kind of like a we've got to go over here and save somebody that we really don't need to do kind of thing. You know, it's kind of almost a far-fetched made-up story using... D-Day and the events of World War II where this is more rooted in actual reality. Yeah. And what tankers, you know, tank um, units had to go through when they were so undermanned against the Panzer tanks and these big yeah. tanks that the Germans had. Yeah, no, they were, they were nothing. They were nothing compared As to As we learn in this film, fucking yeah. tin cans, basically. They were, they were. Yeah, we were fucking tin cans shooting at fucking Superman. <laughs> Basically, yeah, it really was. Yeah. It really was like that scene was a Superman returns when the bullet, the guy shoots the minigun, hits fucking, his eye, ball yeah. and bounces off, and just yeah. bouncing back that's off. Exactly, yeah, that's was. exactly what it is. Like, fuck, man, these these guys had balls to do the job that they yeah. did. And and this movie is tense from the moment it starts. Like, oh, it's it so good. It, it really it does. It pays a good tribute to the soldiers that actually participated. Oh, in absolutely, this. I believe one hundred percent. It stars the great Brad Pitt. And I would never thought I'd say this. I actually like his role in this better than Aldo as he is in Aldo Reign. I don't get me wrong. I love Inglorious Bastards. He's great in it. But it's again, like we say, a little comical. He's a bit yeah. of a character. Yeah. Whereas oh, yeah. his sergeant in this, a war daddy, as he's, his nickname is, he's really well developed in this one. It's yeah. really, really great. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought he was fantastic. It also stars Shia LaBeouf. Obviously, right now in 2021, he is. Yeah, man, he's come off the rails too. He's in hiding. He disappeared into. Yeah. I, look, what he's done his personal life, if he is guilty, is he'll, he, he should get what he gets. He, gets, yeah. he just gets what he deserves. But in this movie, when he shot it in 2014, he's absolutely. Spectacular in this. He's yeah. unbelievable in this. Uh, also stars Logan Lerman, Michael Pena, John Barenthal, John Isaacs, and Scott Eastwood. Yes, Clint Eastwood's yeah. son. And we're going to get some and stuff with the, that. Uh, Jim Patrick makes a nice little cameo with Clint Eastwood's yeah. son. Yeah. This was made on a budget of $68 million. It grossed at the box office $211.8. That's a pretty hefty. That's Turn a fucking cash cow. Yeah, it was fantastic. Like, it, this movie really deserved what it got. And this, I think, also helped him get Suicide Squad. Just too bad they didn't allow him to really do Suicide Squad. Hey, it's the way the fucking uh, the cookie crumbles, as the uh, as the young kids these days are saying, right? That's what they're saying? That's how the cookie crumbles? Oh, fucking no. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> oh, and our IMDb ratings. He got a 76, a 7.6, a C+. Plus, just round of C, C+. Plus, good for them. IMDb really knocking it out of the park as usual. Keep up the good work over there, you cocksuckers. However, I got to say, I'm really surprised. I'm never surprised with what IMDb has, ever, because it's just bullshit. I just give it for those people who are snobs and think, well, I only go by what IMDb says. Fuck it. I'll give it to them. But I kind of like the difference of what happens in Rotten Tomatoes because you get the critics and the audience, and you get a kind of a, a cross view. Critics only gave this a 76, and the audience only gave it an 84. I don't know. Sometimes I'm I'm just blown away by what some people are watching, what people aren't. I don't know. I don't know what they didn't like about this. I, before, I feel is a good audience score for it. I don't know. I mean, I guarantee the audience score for Saving Private Ryan has got to be in the high 90s, mid to high 90s. Oh, yeah. This Easy. should be up in the 90s, low 90s at least. This is an unbelievably great 
war story. It's full of tension, full of great performances, lots of action. We get a real good look at what it was like to be a tank division, which is yeah. oh, it's horrifying. A lot of loss. Horrifying. Yeah. Oh, my God. Horrifying. Brutal stuff happens. Uh, br- brutal stuff, which we're going to get into. I mean, this is that's up the American fucking alley right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe, no, I, you know, yeah. and it came out in 2014. So this is all before this new, suddenly we're, we're fans of Nazis in this country again, somehow, at some sections. I, yeah. Yeah. Mm. They don't like seeing their yeah. their, uh, their well, uh, grandfathers get killed. I, I will say this. I will treat Nazis if they present themselves to me like they do in Inglourious Bastards and how they treat the SS squads in this movie. If you decide that you want to uh, show your Nazi uh, true colors, you will be dealt with uh, the way Nazis should be dealt with. That's it. I don't give a shit. Fuck it. Fuck you and fuck it. Feel free to step on out and try it. What's the first thing you're going to do when you get home? Take that <laughs> Take uniform, that uniform off. Off, aren't you? I don't, I don't like right that. I'd like to see you. I'd like to know you. <laughs> so we are going to jump right into the top five reasons you should watch this because trying to talk about it without jumping into it is almost impossible because everything we're going to talk about is in these five reasons. The top five reasons to watch this movie. Number one. The incredible ensemble cast. Much like what Saving Private Ryan was able to do, this does as well. And what I feel David Ayers did, whether he intentionally did this or not, he wrote strong characters. He gave us one main central character, much like Tom Hanks' character, Brad Pitt's our main character, and then he surrounded them with really great, I don't want to say B-list actors because they're not, but they're not, you know, top billing actors, so really great supporting actors, and they pulled off some amazing performances. Now, I'm a person, when we get into the film genre, who is able to, whether it's right or wrong, this is how I do it, I can separate the performance from who the person is. Much like you know, early in January, I gushed all about Tom Cruise and the movie Edge of Tomorrow. I absolutely loved that movie. I love his performance in it. I love him as an actor. Outside of his don't acting, like, he's don't a like him fucking... Too much outside of that. He's, he's a, a fucking, fucking whack job. job. 100%. But as an actor, as in his profession, he is top-notch. Maybe the best action hero ever. And when I say that is, he does all his own stunts, No. Say what you want about him. Maybe that's why he's so crazy. He does all his own fucking stunts, but I give him his due. Yeah, the man's in his, like, what, fuck, late, it gotta be late 50s. Yeah, yeah. I'm 45, and I'm still in decent shape, but there's times I'm like, I really don't want to do this today. And he's, like, hanging on to fucking planes and yeah, doing all kinds of crazy planes, shit, fucking... coming out, scaling down the world's tallest buildings. Fuck all that shit. Yeah, I'm not no. doing that. I was just reading an article recently. I don't know if it's about them shooting the newest film. Or if it was from the last one, but it was regarding like a motorcycle stunt he did, and it was just saying how like it was like one of the most dangerous things that he's ever done outside of like all the you know he, the man's literally hung out to a fucking actual airplane. Well, I mean, we're gonna get to see him in a couple of months. Fly a jet. Fly a jet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm he so flew excited a fucking to see helicopter. that. Look. He's crazy. I will just go out say personal. Tom Cruise in reality is crazy, but Tom Cruise, the movie actor. I, he does some cool stuff. Like I, you get jazzed about the movies he comes out in. They're exciting. So that's kind of yeah. what Shia LaBeouf. He's not the exciting person, but his acting in this movie is unbelievable, unfucking yeah. believable. He is absolutely amazing. So much so, reportedly, he pulled out his own tooth and oh, yeah. did no, not shower during filming. He went all yeah. in. He all he in actually went to a dentist and had it removed by a dentist had his tooth removed by a dentist and then that scar on his right cheek he continually self-inflicted on himself throughout filming to make it always look consistent that is not that's not fake at all um and yeah and to add more to it you know he was you know so 
dislike on set that they actually relocated him to his own place to yeah. stay. He did not stay where the rest of the cast and crew stayed during this film, um, but because he was not liked by either or. One last other funny thing just to add to him fully embodying this role is up until this point in his life, he found himself as an atheist. And, and obviously, since he plays the character Bible, he uh, didn't know anything about that. So he talked to Brad Pitt, who, you know, was grew up in, in a conservative Christian home. And he, like, you know, told him about the way he brought up and kind of, like, modeled himself after what Brad told him about his upbringing. A lot of intensity there. And yeah. you can see it in him. He's very, like, a. It, it's a su- subdued role for him to play, uh, especially standing up against some of these other characters that we're going to get into. But that subdued role of his is, yeah. is a very intense, intense subdued role. Oh, and his his depth of emotions is un, un yeah almost unparalleled sometimes. He reminded me of the Giovanni Ribsy character from Saber Private Ryan, that, you know, that kind of depth that he got yeah, to. he really is. Some of the reasons that they were pushed to these performances is David Ayers actually had the actors fight each other on set before shooting scenes to tighten their bond. Yeah. John Barenthal claims that Mr. Ayers' methods to push the actors to their limits, including require them to abuse each other verbally and physically, required the cast to agree to confidentiality on certain things said and done during production, some of which he was not proud of. Mr. Logan Lerman, who who was young at the time was there, admitted that the experience left scars he's still healing from. Yeah. But you can feel that kind of camaraderie in the film, you can totally see how everything is pushed one side or the other. You can see it. You 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 feel it. Brad Pitt's character and some of the other guys start fighting with him three years earlier. Like they've been in that tank for three years together. When you live with someone for three years Lung. under constant <laughs> pressure, there's going to be a certain coo- and you're cooped up in a fucking yes. oh, con- God, the tank. tin can with death around you at every, almost every Everywhere. turn. Yeah, yeah, you're going to. It's going to be just build a something. little fucking tense. Yes, yeah. and it's going to be a little like you know everyone's going to be at their breaking point at all times. But yeah, yeah, no, they all they fought before their uh, scenes, and since you're going to be hearing this on. Saturday. <laughs> yeah, in 36 hours. In 36 hours, there is currently a poll. Round one is going is up now. It's Shia LaBeouf versus Logan. Last I seen, Shia was winning. Oh, I got Shia Whoever too. fucking voted for Logan, there was like two they or haven't three seen the votes movie. so they, far. They, they liked Logan. Just based yeah. off fucking photos. Shia yeah. next to Logan. Shia's going to fucking win. Yeah. And it's Michael Pena uh, versus John uh, Barenthal. Oh, I got right Barenthal. Now. And Barenthal's win it. So yeah. Chai and Barenthal are both winning round one right now so far. And then whoever wins that, those two go up against each other. And, and then we're going to finish we'll, up with Pitt, Mr. Pitt. And then Pitt's, Pitt's like the end game. Pitt is, <laughs> Pitt's is the Mike like, Tyson of this Tyson's punch out? Yeah. Pitt's uh, Goro from Mortal Kombat. Okay, beyond. good. Gotcha. It's funny you say that. It's a great little segue here. Uh, during filming, you may have already read this, but our, our listeners haven't. Brad Pitt and Shia LaBeouf almost got into a real fight with Clint Eastwood's son, Scott. While the yeah. cameras were rolling, because Eastwood is riding on the back of the tank, and he kept spitting tobacco juice onto the tank. This is how much they had, you know, really united and bonded. That they that tank was their home. Like they they even took a prop yeah. as you know, like how it's sacred. Yeah. Pitt and LaBeouf felt this was very disrespectful and exchanged words with Eastwood. Things got heated until Pitt and LaBeouf found out that the script called for Eastwood's character to spit tobacco juice onto the tank. Probably. For that exact reason. Probably to get a reaction. Probably to yeah. show the audience 
that this is home. I mean, when they're inside the tank, they say a lot of times, it's the best job I ever had. And then uh, how much they love, like, this is home. Like, it, it, they grew to love that tank. That was their, you know, that's their sanctuary. Talk about he must have been shitting his fucking pants. Because <laughs> if uh, you're about to pick a fight and Brad Pitt and Shia LaBeouf are the two coming at you and you're well, trying Brad to defend Pitt's yourself in some pretty that? good shape in this movie still. Like, yeah, he, is, yeah. he was still in good, really good shape. And, and LaBeouf's got that psycho. You can see that psycho. Yeah, he's got that craziness. You know, um, Pitt actually talked about it in an interview. He kind of alluded to just the fistfights that we'd get into on set. And he he said that Shia had a very weird uppercut that he'd throw that was dangerous because if he got it, He's, you're done. And uh, but then he said that if, that in his opinion, Barenthal was the worst because Barenthal, of course, is a trained boxer. <laughs> so <laughs> he definitely was the one beating the shit out of everybody during the fights. Because Pitt actually said that when it came down to that, if it got bad during that, he would just kick him in the nuts. <laughs> and is that one of the attractions of getting involved in a project like this? Is you actually have to dive head first into yeah, it? Absolutely. And we were all game, and we knew the detail that Dave demanded, and and. We knew we were in good hands. Part of those demands were punching each other in the face, as far as I know. Demands were punching each other in the face. So who actually throws the hardest punch? Well, it's different. It's different. Really? Okay. Because Shia's got this weird little left uppercut. you got to stay away from him. you got to watch that one. Does anybody slap him? Really, it'll take you out. Yeah, we all know. We all got hit. Um, but Bernthal's the boxer. He's the boxer of the bunch. So you gotta That's just an unfair advantage. If he gets on the inside, I'm done. So if he ever came out, I'd kick him in the nuts. To be a fly on the wall, just to watch each one of them, uh, that would have been amazing. I know. <laughs> like, whatever happened, you could see. You could see in these scenes, like, it, you know, the emotion that they're able to pull out from this. Yeah. They, they, I mean, you can draw back on whatever's just happened in the day prior to or during. Right. You, you can see it when you're watching these scenes. You can see... It's almost like after knowing that, you can visualize, like, okay, John and Logan were told to fight right before this happened. And now they've made him go at it like crazy. Now we're going to fucking go straight into shooting the scene. And so we're fucking, they hate each other. They they make it tense and yeah. they, they build it up yep. so that it's natural. And you can see it on screen with the emotions in their faces. They're fucking, there's times in this movie where you, you can tell they're ready to fucking snap. It's not that like, you know, sometimes you can tell in a film when, you know, it's, it's very tense like that, but it's like. You can tell it's just it's very scripted. Yeah. You know, even though they may it could be the finest fucking acting in the world, you can still tell in this during some of these tense moments and inter- interactions between each other, it just is so fucking organic. It is off the <laughs> insurance books as uh, these yeah, fights right? may have been because I'm sure whoever was in charge of financing and having insurance on these actors during filming would have not been okay with this happening no. at all. Minus LaBeouf. LaBeouf, they were just like, fuck it. He's losing his fucking mind. Let him go do whatever he has to do. We're going to separate him out. But the rest of them, they wouldn't want to fucking worry about what if Brad Pitt got knocked out and fucking they fucked up his yeah. gorgeous fucking face. In the film, you can see that the people who emit the most emotion is everybody but Brad Pitt. So when he's in front of his yeah. men... He's stoned face. He does yep. not break. He will raise his voice, maybe get angry, but overall it takes him a lot to get there. His moments of weakness he does away from the men. So he stands there as the, you know, the the captain of the ship. He's the rock. 
in the in the middle of the the storm. But when he gets away from his men is when he then has actual emotional breakdowns. And he did it like at least two or three times in the film. And they're very powerful because he's just so stoic the entire time. And then all of a sudden, you know, and he's not like breaking down and weeping, but it's like it's almost a near panic attack the way the way he kind of reacts. Yeah. Fury takes place late war Germany, 1945. This is a very, very narrow, honest look at this one tank unit's life. This is an experienced veteran tank crew. Where's the rest of 3rd Platoon? We're it. War Daddy's the king of the Fury. Very complex character with life and humor and love for his men. Yeah. Best job I ever had. 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 Bible's the gunner, and he operates the cannon. On what? <laughs> A righteous Christian man who lives his life by the book and still will kill you if you are on the other side. Kunas ah! is the guy shoveling the ammunition into this weapon system. He's a guy who's racked with fear and has seen darkness that he never knew could possibly exist. The driver of the tank is Gordo. 350,000 Mexican-Americans served in World War II. Now my hat goes off to um, David Ayer. He's paying homage to all the Latins that fought in World War II that were unacknowledged. Combat's a brutal, dirty business. It's incredibly taxing on the fighting man's soul. When we meet the crew, one of their own is dead. Then we get the replacement. First Sergeant Collier, I'm your new assistant driver. What is your name? Norman. He's so young and so innocent. He's got this incredibly rough introduction to the war. His first day journey is kind of like what the last four years have been for us. Do your job! Do what you're here for! If you're no goddamn good to me unless you can kill Germans. War Daddy must break him of his innocence and also learn to be an effective soldier. Put a big fat hole in his back. I can't do it! It's a story of us five guys trying to survive and trying to keep each other alive. They're exhausted, they're tired. You don't get to choose who you're in a tank with, <laughs> but you'll end up being closer with them than anybody else in the world. It's about a family under incredible stress. Every day they go towards the fight, and they're scared. What happened back there? That's every day. That's every day day number two and that is the first tank mission and they go on like like maybe three total feels like three maybe yeah, four. three the first one it's lo- like it's a long one like it, it because from the start yeah. of it to its ending a lot of fucking shit happens a yeah. lot of shit happens basically they are sent to help out um, some guys who were in either a tank unit as well or some or a unit who had tanks and they got annihilated. Yeah. And they have troops that are basically hiding out in the field and are pinned down. They can't get out. So he, yeah. Jason Isaac's character sends Brad Pitt and his team along with some other people of his unit to go and rescue them. And yeah, they send them four tanks out behind them yeah. and yeah, piggyback them. And it is an awesome scene, but um, um, yeah. intense. So there's firing from the tree line, and there's some yeah. you know, soldiers, and it's just it's just a great attack. And there's some it's great because this movie does some cool stuff for it. One, like the first mission, you you ratchet it up, but in, at the end of it, 
the Americans really pretty much prevail. So you're like, oh, we got some badass fucking tankers. Badass yeah, they, tankers. They, they go in with like 10 tanks, so they, well, they come but, out but with yeah, six. By time, but when they go in themselves, they, they go in with four for this one. Like by this time, yeah. when we jump into the movie, they've lost a shit ton yeah. of tanks. Like he asked for 10 tanks. That's what you're thinking. 10 he, tanks. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he asked four. for 10 tanks and he, he, <laughs> he gets got four. four. Yeah. And actually, and, and they're, they're, not, five. they're not doing too good yeah, yet. And the scene we don't talk about, uh, one of them catches fire, and that's something you can see in the film. That goes bad early. That's fucking intense. Early, yeah. So four four tanks show up, and in this section, like the Americans pretty much, we get to see some real, you know, we get to see how good they really are, these, these small tanks, these Sherman tanks. And we get to see them, you know, they're just, they eventually annihilate this position that the Germans have. And as they keep moving forward, like they're saving the soldiers, they're getting behind them in ranks and, you know, getting behind the tank. And they're taking out these anti-tank guns. And then they just start getting in close to the troops. And they're just like running them over in their little fucking, uh, their dugouts. Oh, and, yeah. oh, That's such, a, awesome. such a good scene yeah. when, uh, when Brad Pitt commands uh, Michael, the, he is, so he's the tank driver of the crew, uh, to run them over in the trench and... He fucking runs those fuckers right over. All tanks, start squirting that tree line. Let's light them up. Let's go. Let's clean it up. Hey, hey, start shooting. Well, where do I shoot at? The Nazis, dumb fuck. Again, the gore in this matches up with the realistic gore of Saving Private Ryan, the intensity of the oh, gore absolutely. in Saving Private Ryan. It makes it, it's unsettling, but real. Well, and a lot of it, I'm sure you read this, a lot of it, like there's a scene later on, I don't know if we talk about it, I can't remember what it was, but like there's a dead body that yeah. is in the road, it's been killed, and it's kind of in the path, and tanks, you know, just roll over. Yeah, just rolling over. And yeah. that's actually taken from a photo, from actual footage that, they, that they've seen. So David Ayers and his crew looked at a lot of World War II footage and actually took a lot of the violence they used in it, or so, you know, some of the horrific images. And actually, it's real life. That's why it feels real. But that's also why it feels fucking, you know, like, oh, you know, it kind of yeah. feels like, ooh. Unsettling. Yeah. Because it's, it is, again, it's like you're, like, watching uh, World War II in color, like, watching the, the uh, rasterized footage of world war ii you yeah. know and yeah. seeing the violence seeing yeah. photos of just you know dead bodies you know a lot of you know a lot of people back then a lot of families back then got folded flags and one dog tag you know that's why they, that's why they have dog tags to identify who's lost you go off there's two on there yep. you tear one off yep. and you call it a fucking day that's yep. they don't got time to fucking dig a grave they don't have time to fucking bury a body sometimes no no yeah. not at all so they did you know talking about this being their first tank mission you know the cast did go through 
uh, rigorous month-long training in their final test of the training was them manning a real tank during combat exercise and you know brad pitt who's much older than his cast members they all participated in all this which again it's so funny that like they talk about how oh, brad pitt he's like he's much older than them Brad Pitt has worked out like it, it, again. Like <laughs> no, I, re- I, I remember back. Can you remember role him being fat in? <laughs> no, <laughs> I can't exactly. remember any. Back when we were able to go to theaters and on opening night on the Thursday that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out, the entire crowd gasped when Brad Pitt takes his shirt off, fixing fucking Rick Dalton's fucking busted up antenna, and it when was he the flashes thing. back to his fight with the great Bruce Lee. Exactly, and it, yeah, it's so good. Um, the the man works out. Even I even remember in the '90s with Saving Private Ryan. I remember you know the press tour for that, and like have vivid memories of the press tour for that, and have you know um, I can't remember who he played, but what he played all I can think of uh, is he's the guy that uh, in Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> if if this is a spoiler to you, fuck off. <laughs> so he played. <laughs> The Jewish man that gets killed. Fish. Fish. Yeah, yeah. Fish. Yeah, uh, I can't think of, I know you mean. I can't think of his name. He's on the show Friends. He's the creepy yes. ro- roommate guy or whatever. Yes. We'll leave Matt Perry's character yeah. alone. So I remember then when they were doing the press tour for that, talking about how all of them, him, I think it was him and Giovanni, were doing the interview. And they were talking about going through boot camp. And they all went through boot camp with Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is old. He is not. In as good of shape as Brad Pitt. And they no. were talking about how when they were running boot camp with him, that Ed Burns and all those guys were like, holy fucking shit. Tom was just like off on his own. Like when they were like doing drills and he was running, he's fucking on his own. Well, thing. he was Forrest Gump and he did a yeah, lot of fucking he did running. A lot of, a lot was, of fucking running. I was running. Forrest Gump. He ran all the way back to Jenny with I AIDS. He ran a lot in that movie. Talk about a shitty That's ending of a shitty <laughs> Well, hey, look, we're moving on. I digress. What makes this tank scene, the ending of it even more, is Logan Lerman's character has just been basically, you know, I, there's a lot of um, obviously notes of saving private ryan in this because the private they pick up the corporal or private they pick up who's the typist in yeah. saving private ryan it's i, I can't think of his name right now up him up him up him that's right up him and then similar they have logan lerman's character very who similar is a typist yep. and he just was forced to come over here and now he's become their co-driver they just lost that their their co-driver he's got his head blown off somehow yeah he's dead as we kind of start this movie and so they're having a very tough time with this and so now this guy's taking this place, and right off the bat, they're just giving him shit no matter yeah. what, like treating him like fucking shit because he's not a part of their family, but they're treating him like fucking shit. Yeah, and he's not trained to do anything but type. I think he said sixty words a minute. So, right. And I mean, it's not as fun. He gets thrown into it, this bullshit. He gets thrown into it, and and unlike Upham, where Upham is is being brought in specifically to speak German, you know, Fubar. I can't, I can't find Fubar. Yeah, exactly. I can't find Fubar. Fubar. What's that mean? Um, but yeah. Um, you know, he's being brought in for a reason. This man's literally being pulled from his role because there's nobody else. And that's yeah. it. Like, yeah. it's just, this is what you're doing. I mean, they're at the end of days of World War yeah. II as it is. So he just, we have enough bodies. Get in there. And so 
He doesn't do a good job, and as we're heading towards this mission, he is responsible for some people getting killed because he hesitated. He didn't shoot at these young boys who are fighting for the Nazis, yes. um, in, who were forced to. And fo- they talk about it in the beginning of the movie. If you get to see the great movie Jojo Rabbit, which you will hear about probably in 2022, <laughs> the great movie Jojo Rabbit is kind of talking about this, talking about the end days of the German Reich and how they basically as a last-ditch effort, forced every man, woman, and child to fight for Germany yep. as a last stand. Yeah. And in this movie, you'll see that there are people who are on the roadside who have been hung and have a sign around them that say they would prefer to die than fight for their country. Right. And so they hung whoever didn't want to fight. So you were forced to do this. Yeah. But he doesn't shoot at a, at a kid, and it costs some people their lives. And so this really pisses Brad Pitt off, and he's like, do your fucking job. And <laughs> it leads it's a brutal a fucking scene. tense scene. Yeah, but we get to the end of this, and there's a German soldier who is trying to hide, and he's wearing a, a, an American coat, and that that doesn't go well. That talk about mm-hmm. talk about a big mistake. Yeah, like, you you are far better off in staying in your own uniform yep. and surrendering than trying to yeah. pull some yeah. shit like that and pass yep. off as an American to them, or yep. not even an American, you know, it could have been a French soldier, yep. it could have been a British soldier, any part of yep. the good <laughs> that came together yep. for once in this world to stop evil. Bad move, because it leads to what you're about to talk about right now. Yeah, this is a very tricky scene, because, as I also read up on it, there's, you know, these happen, These this stuff happens in war, yeah. happened a lot, especially over there, especially before there was cameras around. Exactly, to take you know, and stuff. we've all heard about it now. So, good and bad, yeah. good or bad, however you want to look at it. But it happens at this point. There's a guy there who, you know, he did surrender. It. This is a war crime. This is a war crime. We're not day, condoning war crimes. This is also to get happen. Yeah, this is something that needed to happen in order for Brad Pitt to feel. What one? It was a baptism of fire. It was yep. breaking, busting his cherry, and he knew that if he didn't do it, it's not. He's going to get more he's people killed. Get more so, people killed. He, they, yeah, he and, a, and he even says it. You kill him, or I kill you. Basically, you yeah. have to shoot. So he needed to break him. Yeah, he puts this German down, and he basically forces young Logan's character to. To kill this German. I mean, basically, he's basically got him in a chokehold. He's got his hand on the thing, and he actually helps pull the trigger for him. Yeah, he does. But he kills the German. Everyone's standing around. No one did a thing about it. They've been there three years. Some of them, a year to two yeah. to three. I mean, they, they've been there a long they time. They fought through D. They fought in D Day. Survived to get here. You have seen your friends get blown up. You have seen a horrible, horrible things. You've had to do horrible. Horrible things. Unfortunately, even Brad Pitt says this. Ideology is peaceful. History is but violent. But history is violent. Yes. yes. And he's exactly right. Like, yeah, should they have shot that guy? Probably not. But when you've been over there, it's easy to armchair quarterback something like that when you're sitting at home and you're like, you've never been shot at. You haven't had your friends blown up. You know what I mean? You've never had all, any of these yeah. horrible things happen. You've never been driving through towns and seen them hanging kids because they don't want to fight. Yeah. When you get to this point and this happens, you're combatants at this point. Yeah. He's trying to kill you. I don't condone it, but I also 100% understand it. Exactly. Norman, come here. Come on, son. Wait, here you go. Sergeant, call your dogs off. 
Ich habe Familie zu Hause. Das ist meine Frau. Das ist meine Kinder. Halt die Fresse. Halt die Fresse. Auf den You are no goddamn good to me unless you can kill Krauts. Put a big fat hole in his back. Put a big fat hole in his fucking back. No. Why the hell not? It's not right. Not right. We're not here for right and wrong. We're here to kill them. Why are you here? You're here to kill him. You know why he's here? He's here to kill you. He's here to kill you, man. He's here to rip your throat off. Get out of here. Trying to teach you something. You here to get me killed? You're gonna get me killed? No. I need you to perform. Just get it over with. Get it over with. I can't do it. Yes, you can. I know you can. He kills you or you kill him. Simple math. You or him. Pick. Just Come kill here. me. Kill me. Kill me. Kill me. Kill me. Please. I can't do it. Stop. Stop. Oh, no, no. That's the easy part. Please don't make me do it. Don't make me do it. It's all right. One, two. Do it, Norman. Do it, Norman. Do it, Norman. Do your job. There is a very powerful scene that we really get a great glimpse of the craziness and then the normalcy that the people try to have. And that is the third reason you should watch this movie. Number three. And that is the breakfast table scene. And in this scene, they have just gone and retaken a town. And they've lost some people, but no one in the tank anyways. And so while they're clearing out this town and kind of taking a rest, and they're going to you know, stay there for the day. At least that's what they're supposed to be doing. Everyone is just jovial. The German people in the town have now been freed from the SS, who have forced them to basically, against their will, have to fight. And this poor German girl, uh, she becomes the public relations person for two of our tank members, uh, Mr. Michael Pena and John Barenthal, as they are going to share her as only friends can do. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mr. Shia LaBeouf is staying true to character as he's off to the side. He is not going to do anything. He's keeping with his biblical character. Meanwhile, Brad Pitt sees someone look out a window, so he he grabs Logan and takes him upstairs. They go up into this apartment where an aunt and her niece are living. And they're both very attractive women, especially the young girl. She was very attractive. And You're such a sicko. She, she was eight, she's in her 20s, you fucking nah, I pedophile. Just, I just like fucking that, dude. Plus, it was 2014, so she's now seven years older. So she's probably in her 30s by now. They go up there, and I think this is a chance for Brad Pitt's character to try to mend 
a little bit of the rift he's definitely caused, oh, like yeah. the, the shit he's caused. Logan, like he's, re- I mean, threw that motherfucker in the frying pan without yeah. without him even being allowed to. You know, he's yeah. really changed this guy's life. Yes. So he's trying to also show him that he's not just this hardest. Like he's firm when he has to be. Yep. He can take care of you when he has to as well. And it, it's also a moment where he's letting his guard down. Yes, he does let his guard down for a little. Yes, absolutely. It's almost like he's, you know, repaying. What he knows was traumatic for Logan's character, but he knows he had to do it and had to put him through it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's repaying it by showing him a completely different side of himself. Absolutely. That he doesn't let Bible or Gordo or Kunas see. He doesn't let any of them see that. And we see later in the scene Yeah. yeah. the way it he responds issues. to them. Yeah. Because basically while they're up there, without going through too much, Logan and the young girl eventually hook up. It's probably his first sexual experience. There's definitely a little thing there between them. Brad Pitt's character does show a softer side, right? He so he's up he, there. He gives, he gives him eggs, eggs. He's got there making breakfast. Gives him cigarettes. He gives He's shaved. Yeah, cleans himself up. You know, and it's while he's doing that, we get to see this burn on, the, on his back, which... The burn did not actually happen from the war. In a scene that was cut out, he actually was in a car accident when he was a youth, and he got caught on fire. I didn't know that. So we get to we get to get a little bit more insight on t- to who Brad Pitt's character is, and then we get to you know Logan kind of finding his first love kind of thing. Yeah, it's a sweet, tender scene. Absolutely, as harsh as it starts, literally with Brad Pitt yes. saying to him, "If you don't take her in there." I will. I don't know that Brad Pitt would have. No, I, I just think, think he was it was him. his way of saying, He's pushing you, yeah, him. You, you need to become a man. And I, look, it's 1945. This girl took him in there. I mean, he wasn't forced. He didn't put her at gunpoint. And there was consensual some, for, for the most part. And she seemed to like him. Like, it seemed to be like that's what they liked. Well, unfortunately, the other three members of the tank, they come up looking for Logan because <laughs> lucky Logan, he's going to be sloppy thirds after um, <laughs> Michael Pena and uh, John Barenthal have just now shared a woman in their tank. And they break in on this happy little soiree and... They're a little upset. They're upset that they were not included, and they have been right. with War Daddy. They've been with Brad Pitt's character for a very long time. Yeah, for three years, just about. And so they're kind of like upset that he didn't include them. Yeah, partial is they're drunk. But this is where this whole fighting thing really shows. Yeah, yeah. It. it oh God. I mean, <sighs> there's anger in Michael Pena. And John Barenthal's, but there's real sadness, like almost like a, yeah. a feeling of being betrayed in Shia LaBeouf's character because he really gets teared up. And there's certain moments when they're together, like when he keeps um, Brad Pitt from fighting somebody or something happens, like you can tell those two have probably been together the longest. Yeah. Bible and him. You know, yep. there's just something about it, the way they, they, they interact. There's a different kind of respect between the two of them. Like, obviously, since Bible's character is. I'm assuming like a Southern Baptist. Yeah, something like that. Since he modeled it off of uh, Brad Pitt, who is from the South and was from conservative Christian upbringing. There's a different bond between the two of them. And we get a little bit more of that later. But going back to the fights, in this scene, the two that it definitely shows that if I was David Ayer and I was getting ready to shoot the second half of the dinner table scene where... Michael and John come in, you know for a fact, I would have for a fact, made Logan and John continually fight nonstop until they start started this scene. Because the tension between those two is so fucking oh, real. It's ratcheted. Yeah. It is so yeah, so ratcheted up. 
and so fucking real. Logan's about to burst. Like he's about regardless well, yeah, of what he could do about it. The, I mean, re, yeah, and you can see it in him. Yeah, you John Bernthal just over can overpower him anytime he's he wants. He's so much bigger. But you, but you know, like you can see it in in Logan's the way he handles it. Sitting in that chair, he there is moments where he does try to stand up. He pushes him down. You know, he it's it's that psychological fucking with him that he's obviously carried from pre starting to shoot into this where you know he gives him a shot or he gives him a drink off the bottle he gives him straight gasoline he gives him straight gasoline and goes full lighthouse and gives him kerosene fucking then the german aunt gives him a shot that she had poured and gives one also to john even though they have a obvious a ton of disdain for being around him oh yeah yeah he takes they his really shot liked logan and yeah Brad. And once they come in, those two come in. They, yeah, they're, they're the up. kind of soldiers they were expecting Brad to be. Right. These these Americans who shy of raping, basically forcing themselves on. Yeah. That's what I think they first originally thought was going to happen to yeah. them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and when she hands him the shot, he fucking he dumps it on. And I don't know if that was scripted or not because it's handled so fucking well. But he dumps that shot right on Logan's head. And Logan's about to, like, it's like every little second passes and he's just ready to fucking explode. When he dumps that shot on him, I wonder if this was one take or if it was a, <laughs> numerous takes that have gone well, through. Because so there's so eggs fucking, that they've made. Yeah. And he goes over and takes the girl's egg and licks it. And then yep. Brad Pitt changes plates. Changes and plates. the girl, she, girl just breaks down crying. Like, she is so scared. She is worried that these guys are going to try to take yeah. turns on her. And then I love that. I don't know if they made a cut or not, but Brad Pitt eats that fucking egg like in defiance. You yeah, know what I does. mean? Like he just eats it. And then so. they, they keep fucking going and he finally snaps and fucking slams down on the fucking table. It's the gun. And that's yeah. that's where it shows that, you know, how he treats them different than the way he's treating Logan right now. Like he again is making up for what he has broke him in. Yes. For Mm-hmm. Um, and I but think he, he that they like, are misinterpreting this whole breakfast. They're misinterpreting it because they feel left out. and They're also drunk. At least two of them and are. And they're drunk. Brad's not. He's putting them back in line. He's showing them, again, yes. that he ain't going to fall. He's not, it doesn't matter what the fuck they've been through, that they're going to fucking listen to him. If he wants to fucking do this, he's going to fucking do this. And if not, then they're going to be on the wrong fucking side of him. And they know they don't want that. And then it leads into when they try to fucking remind him about, you know, going through D-Day, which is so crazy. (laughs) And that leads into a fantastic performance from Shia, who just kind of sits there and listens and acknowledges it. And then starts just crying. It's like he's going through it again in his head. Like he's actually been there. Yeah. Yep. And just starts crying, silently crying. During it, and it's just yeah. so fucking good, and so well done. And then you know you still throughout this whole thing, you know the way that the whole fucking scene shifts and everything. You still have people, uh, characters, um, and actors like John, just handling it so well as it transitions to the end. Well, as they're trying to leave, yep. they they get suddenly orders they got to go, and the girl's trying to he's like he's trying to say goodbye. Are you gonna do? Yeah, he's what are you gonna get married? So yeah. yeah, he's being mean, but he's also being realistic. He's, he's like, being Look, realistic. I get it that you just had sex with this girl, and it was probably great and hot. And if this was back in America, great things gonna happen. We're leaving this town today. How are you ever coming? You know what I mean? Like, 
and we won't get into what happens throughout the rest end of the scene, but it's like uh, he's kind of like motherfucker, get your shit together. Yeah, and he's being tough on him, but but it's something that is necessary because at the end of the day, people who watch this and side with Logan, you would die in military. Yeah, you would die in war because you cannot be soft. You yeah. just can't. And even though that seems mean or whatever, but you cannot. And John Barenthal's character knows you. You need no, look. It's is. great that you had sex with her. Fantastic. You can now tell a story about this to your grandkids. But this is not going to happen. And you got to get unfocused from this because you're going to get fucking killed if you don't. You know. So no, he he's tough as nails. Again, it kind of it shows as much as during that whole transition where Brad takes control back of his team. It shows that John is still, you know, he knows he can't say a fucking another word to, <laughs> to to War Daddy. He can't say shit to Brad again because it's not going to fucking end well. But he can still fuck with Logan again. And he yeah, knows they're about I to think fucking War Daddy leave out. kind of wants him to. You yeah. know, he's, he's letting it slide. Yeah. So he, he's going to let it slide and he's going to get a pass on it. And yep. he's drunk and, you know, he, he's going to remind him that, you know, this isn't a, a fairy tale. And it, it's handled just so well. And Norman, do you like horses? Don likes horses. Isn't that right, Don? We're eating. No, we're not. I'm dumb. I'm fucking dumb eating. France, we hit the beach right after D-Day, right? And we had to fight through all these fucking hedgerows, fucking pain in the ass, right? We finally hit open country, and we linked up with the British and the Canadians, and you know what we did? You know what we did. We trapped an entire crowd army, pulling back into Germany. We fucked them up. Yep. Yes, we did. There was dead crowds and horses, busted up tanks and cars for miles. Miles. Hmm? Your eyes see it, but your head can't make no sense of it. And we go in there, and for three whole days, we shoot down wounded horses. All day long, son of the sundown, just shooting horses. And there were some hot summer days. I never smelled it like that time. Do you know how you kill a horse? You pat it on the, pat it on the forehead, no? And it becomes your friend, it goes like this. And then you shoot it right through the spine. And the sound of it? Those fucking screaming horses. And do you remember that, Don? All the black clouds of flies just buzzing around. It was like being in a in a giant beehive. But you weren't there. That's a real fine story. Pleasant mealtime talk. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It is what happened, Don. What happened, happened. What's going to happen, is going to happen. 
Sitting here playing house with a couple bitch crowds ain't gonna change a fucking thing. Shut the fuck up. Why should I shut up? You shouldn't. Well, they get a mission, and that's what breaks them from this, this table sequence. And it's the fourth reason you should watch this movie. Number four. And that is the tank ambush. <laughs> four tanks roll out. Three tanks roll out. I forget at this point. Two, three. I think three tanks roll out at this point. Yeah, there's three, three. tanks left. They're actually headed to hold a crossroads. They're there to hold a crossroads. Part of the army has moved off. There is a aid company a few miles away from there that and then there's reports that Germans are coming that way. It is their job to hold that crossroads or otherwise that German army will just basically annihilate the medic that are are hanging out in, in an area. So on the way there, <laughs> they are attacked by a fucking German tank who's lying in wait. And when you had the first tank mission, it was a whole different story. It was like, ooh, wow, yeah. American tanks. Yeah. This one fucking tank literally obliterates all of them. Yeah. And in brutal, gory it's, brilliance, yeah, honestly. Oh, my God. It's the most violent scene. I mean, actually, the ending, we'll talk about in a second, is the most violent. Yeah. This one was like, your asshole puckers up. You're like, holy shit. Like, you get yeah. you, like the nerves in your body. Like, oh, my God. It puts you right where they are. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The, you realize how powerful those tanks are. Right. Because their they're shells, like, direct hits. Not done. Nothing like Done. Yeah. You know, <laughs> one, one, one poor bastard's head is removed. Yeah. Only thing is, is when it happened to him, I thought, he didn't even know what happened to him. No, it's gruesome, the, but like his like that hit him in the face. It was, it was like, just so yeah, in the blink of an yeah. eye. Yep, gone. That's the one thing about this too, with the special effects of the the blast from the tanks and the way that it shows how fast the projectiles go. It almost looks like Star Wars lasers being shot. Yeah, yeah, that's what you mean. Yeah, and I don't want to know because I would have to be there to experience it. What it would visually look like to see one of those rounds fucking go flying by and just barely oh. fucking miss you. I could only fucking imagine. How about the ones when they shoot them and they glance off a tank like oh, yeah, a tank's when they, armor? Yeah. And then they just like go fly, like you like that lands somewhere. Like that. Yeah. So that, that doesn't that, just suddenly just disappear and go yeah, the outer yeah. space. That lands it's it's somewhere. You know, it's someone yep. else somewhere else is getting fucking hit by this fucking shell that's moving it. Ungodly speeds. Yeah, it's, it's just like zipping uh, through the fucking. It's air. just like in in Jarhead, the infamous uh, Desert Storm celebration when it's yeah, the spin, when you can how, pull your head off. Yeah, how when they talked about how like uh, how many <laughs> how many people were killed from the celebration from them all firing off rounds. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's just like this, but that is a fucking goddamn tank fucking <laughs> the like oh i just remember watching it like, obviously special effects are not a real shell but i remember just watch it you know zzz, whistles out past the horizon we can see it anywhere i'm thinking that fucking thing is hitting like someone yeah. is you know Someone's, maybe you know yeah, cooking it maybe breakfast lands in the field, and half but of their fucking house just disappeared or all of a sudden like you know they're out in the middle of this countryside yeah. and they're away <laughs> from the battle all of a sudden like explosion yeah. happens in the middle of the yard like, it's like a crater yeah it's like goddamn insane. fucking meteor just fucking hit the fucking ground in fucking insane it is an amazing scene, and I just kind of want to touch on it just because of how amazing it was. But I don't want to talk a lot about it because I also don't want to give too much of it away because it's like it's like watching do or die chess match. You know what I mean? Like if chess pieces came to life and could fight each other, that's kind of what it reminded me of. Or if anyone remembers the Atari game and looking at our demographics, some of you probably don't because you're a little bit younger. But there was this really cool game back in the Atari days called Combat. 
and you had different levels, and it was you and a buddy playing against each other, or you against a computer, and you were tanks, and basically you were going through like a maze, and you're trying to get yourself into an area where you could fire off a tank shell, and you could actually ricochet off a wall, and it could go through like these little holes. They had like these little entrances on the sides and the top of screens. So you could actually go up and down. It's much different than things are today. But you could try to bounce a fucking shell off to try to kill your buddy and, and blow him up. So it reminded me a little bit of like the old uh, game combat from the Atari 2600. Now that I've dated myself way the fuck out of left field. Yeah, you're not that old. Whatever. Did you ever play that game? No, I didn't. Do you even know what game I'm talking about? I do. I do. Do you understand there was a game system called the Tari well before you put I do. I do. All right. I do understand that. I do. Quite sure if we had to tell you. I watched documentaries about you uh, on (laughs) this thing called Netflix. You know, it's a digital service. It's a hard hard game because, especially if you're playing against somebody, because there's only so much space. So when you get too close to each other, like, it's it's almost like you're sniping at each other. Like, someone has to try to make, like, some kind of move, like, fire and move fast so you don't get... It was a lot of fun. Like, it... It was not easy to defeat someone in combat because you had to be very, you know, strategic of how you didn't get a fucking shell bounced up your ass and get blown up. That's why they call it a pincer move. It is the most tension ratchet sequence in the film, even more so than the ending. The ending is phenomenal, but it's this. Yeah. There's so much well, more tension because it just comes out of the blue. Yep. And this this leads up to this. You know, this is it's a it's a crushing ambush for them. To lead into oh my god yeah our our final reason here but I'm gonna digress real quick because in the beginning of the film there is a there's a, a couple of little text uh, screens come up and they talk about how undermanned and really up yeah. against it the American tanks were to the German superiority in tanks like where yeah. we had air superiority we they had, had air, tank yeah, superiority had, yep. Unbelievable uh, tank superiority. You know, and when you see the first scene, it's just an anti-tank gun you take on. We don't actually take on a tank. And you're like, oh. You're like, all right, well, what's so bad about these German fucking tanks? And then you see one, and it's one versus three. And he fucks them. I mean, he is, this German tank is just unbelievable. Destroying them. It's, yeah, Yeah. it's impressive. Wait. Yeah, in that first scene, you know, they, they have enough time to to have... First of all, they have multiple tanks turning and repositioning to fire on it. And they don't get it the first time, where now they're just being no. obliterated by one tank. And they're yes. all trying and to almost, fucking... If they get hit once, it's, it's in. They're like, done. The German tank takes a couple of hits and keeps on moving. Like, it's yeah. got such great armor. The American tanks are getting fucking lit the fuck up. Yeah. Lit the fuck up. Panzergranate laden. 
All right, all tanks, move forward. Fuck. Get him, right flank. Right stick. Left with me, stay abreast. Let's go right out, let's go right out. Order, left flank. Let's bum rush this cocksucker. Right stick, taking the right flank. you could almost uh if you they would have been better off if they uh could have had a good old uh saving private right sticky bomb aka yes, the fucking yes. good old socks uh with some fucking uh packet yeah. full of c4 covered yeah. in axle grease and bust its fucking goddamn fucking tracks on it which is now an even better way to go to the fifth region should watch this movie number five and that is the last stand at the end of the film as they're driving to get to this four corners, this road, they're actually going to try to get up this hill and guard it from a long way away. Almost do what the, the German tank is, which was basically blow up anything that came down that road. Yeah. As they're doing it, there's a tank mine that they roll over, and it takes off their track. Yeah, it busts, it busts the yep. right track. So they're trying to put it back together, and while they do so, Logan's character goes off, and he is looking out for anyone coming. And after a while being up there, he sees an entire battalion of SS troops singing. And I don't know if you knew this, Matt. They are singing a real-life SS marching song while they march to attack the crossroads. It is the SS, and I'm going to probably butcher this in German, Marschreich in Fiedersland. Whatever. Anyways, so actually, but the funny thing is, it's actually British troops who were trained, who were taught to sing this song because they didn't have any Germans. They were all British actors who were played the SS. <laughs> and the final battle was actually likely based on an, on the action for which U.S. soldier and later actor Audie Murphy earned his Medal of Honor in World War II. Murphy and his platoon beat off several attacks by a much larger formation of German tanks and infantry. Toward the end of the action, Murphy, acting virtually alone, repulsed the final German assaults using the 50 caliber machine gun on his U.S. tank destroyer that had otherwise been knocked out earlier in the action. There you go. Yeah. Um, and in the end, I won't say anything else, but in the end shot where they go up above, the tank Fury... Mm -hmm. Uh, they said there's approximately about 100 dead German soldiers in front. So what ends up happening is they make a last stand. Yeah. The Germans are coming. They know they've got to stay. Well, actually, Brad Pitt tells his crew to go. He's going to stay and, and fight off as many as he can. And this is where they all are like, no, we, we're not, you know, we're not getting off the ship. We're going to go down with it if you go down. Yeah. Oh, you hear that? It's a goddamn SS battalion. Bullshit. Jesus Christ. Greg, my gun. Yeah. You want to get the weapon? Shit. Yeah, let's just get our shit, all right? Look, it's about to be dark. Just Stop. get on up out of here, huh? 
Let them pass on through. Let's hit them woods. Dude, Norman, go get your shit. Go get your pack. Let's go. We ain't never run before. I ain't running now. What's that? We're gonna fight it out. We can't. I'm gonna hold this crossroad. What you mean you gotta hold this? The tank's busted. The tank's fucking hey. busted, Top. Yeah, you said that. Top, what are you doing? What do you want to do? You want to sit here? I'm gonna hold this you crossroad. You want to sit here? Hold off the SS battalion. No, it's not what I want to do, but it's what we're doing. There's five of us. Get your fighting position. Man up. Fucking fighting position when we ain't got a tank. How are we gonna fight? We got a cannon. No, that don't make Top, sense. Stop! What are you doing? Get out of here. Get to that tree line. Boys, take care of yourselves. Get to that tree line. It's all right. Hmm. It's all right. It's my home. Staying here with you. All right. I'll need you to load. Boys, get on. It's all right. Grady, come on. We're going to stay. What is your plan? Get us one of the dead crowds. And the ensuing firefight and so attack good. is amazing. We get it is such great amazing. notes. Some of the greatest oh. moments of Brad Pitt's yes. character get brought out oh, during yeah. this. Some of the dialogue between him and Logan is absolutely fantastic. You know? Logan gets his war nickname. We won't yep. give that away. There's great moments of everybody. There's shocking stuff that happens. It's just beautiful. It, yeah. it shows you what a tank alone can do. My takeaway from this uh, scene... And it may be a little precursor to some things you may hear later. <laughs> is the lighting and cinematography of this whole last stand with the lighting from pretty much only being provided by fire that is coming in? Yeah, yeah. Is very reminiscent of shots from Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse, Apocalypse Now. Now. Wow, that's yeah. You're right. And that's it's crazy. It's, it's beautiful. Not a lot of people yeah. would be daring enough to do that. Um, but he did it, and but it he, works because it works otherwise so well. it, 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 it's it's that real light. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it doesn't work. Like the only thing they could see by it was fire. Yeah. It's not like the German soldiers were are going with flashlights and shit again. Yeah. And I'm so tired of like the moon. Like yeah. they put up these what's called a, 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 a these ten foot really big fucking lights. That's how you usually get your fake moonlight. And you can tell, like, if you've ever been on a set or worked in it, you you can tell that they've got the big fucking ten yeah, foot. It's like, it's, like like, a, right. it's like the moonlight yeah. on the clearest day, yes, in the brightest yes. area. Like, and the moon's got to be really close to the earth right. for it to be that bright. And yeah, and it's like that's lights up everything. Happening. Like you're in Yankee Stadium. You're like, wow, man, yeah. I can see everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, 
But so with the fire, it made it, and then the smoke, it made it confusing for both both parties. You yeah, know what they're, I mean? they're so, using it for their advantage, but at the same time, it's also taking away the very little bit of visibility that they have. Yes, yes, because it was looking through periscopes and these little slits yeah. in the fucking tank and makes Fuck it almost that. impossible. But oh my god, just the way, just the barrage and how they attacked him, and just it was so well done. It's such such a great fucking ending. And look, there's a lot of movies that have last stands, but this is a very good one. This is a very good one without giving away anything of the ending did you feel at all that how it ended was cliche or should have ended that way we both know what i'm talking yes. about um people who are listening to this now are gonna be like what the fuck are they talking about this is hopefully yeah. will get you to go watch the movie and then you'll be like oh now i see what they're saying or if you have did seen it you to think feel back like on it. it was so thinking back on it on my first watch i didn't feel like it on my second watch I did. Agreed. That's that's where I was, yes. Because the first time through, I was like, you know, blown off. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. On on the rewatch for the episode, I was thinking in my head, like, I knew I remembered everything from the film. But I was rebuilding it and reconstructing it in my head while watching it. And that was one of the only minor things that I thought should have been possibly changed. Agreed. Unfortunately, I felt like I, I don't know if it was like that was something that was in the script or if that was like, hey, yeah, this is this is what if, we need. I wonder this if is the was, note we need to end this film on. Right. You know, I, who knows if there was alternate takes or alternate scenes that they, you know, yeah. planned on shooting or did shoot and then scrapped or, you know, got, you know, changed during rewrites pre yeah. the, this ever even getting shot. But, yeah, that was that was one of the things that. To me, on my rewatch, was definitely like if that was changed, this would have been a, a, a masterpiece. Yes, it doesn't. I don't. It doesn't think that it. it takes away. It doesn't take. It doesn't away take anything. away. From and him, some but... people may actually be like, I feel like this is the way it should end it. I just now going back and seeing it for the second, you know, for the second or third time, and having seen it in probably five years. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. it definitely felt like it's not a sour taste in your mouth. It just you feel like, oh, you know, I kind of wish they hadn't gone that yeah. way. I kind of wish they had just said, boom, this, and I'd have been fine with that. It, you know, I felt yeah. felt more realistic. But hey, that's what they decided to go it with, is. and I'm I'm fine with it. It is what it is. It is. What we're doing here is a righteous sack, gentlemen. You hear me, Gordo? Mm-hmm. And there's Bible verse. I think about sometimes. Many times, it goes. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? <clears throat> and I said, here am I. Send me. Isaiah chapter six. <laughs> yeah. 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 Best job I ever had. It's time 
to make some lists. All right, so this week, as I may have just alluded to in our last number five, our first list is going to be our top five last stand movies. It's an even week. I will go first. Matt will piggyback off of me. He will then lead our second list, and I'll close out. Because you fucking suck. You swallow. So, all right. Here oh, we go. that was a good go. comeback there. That was Bam. some high school shit. That Boom. was a good You twofer. damn right. <laughs> so, uh, last stands in movies. So... It was this was difficult because as I was researching oh, a lot of a lot of the search this, engine people don't understand what we're talk what you're talking about. I kept getting last stand the fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger fucking movie. <laughs> so I went with um So did it make that, your list? Yeah, no. <laughs> I went with movies that, you know, there are last stand in. Like yeah. I made sure that mine was like the person that we were in the last stand. It wasn't yeah. like a final battle. Glory would not have been a last stand because they weren't making the last stand. The people in the fort were making that last stand. They were right. attacking. Yeah. So you had to be being Vice attacked versa. and yep. not doing the attacking. Okay. Absolutely. So and this 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 could be a toss up, but I feel like this list. is a last stand. It's, it's, Number five for me. Actually stars Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. His last stand. Against the fucking Predator. That's a in good the movie. one. Predator. That's, that's, so I went with Predator because it's a great last stand. It's a great fucking battle where he, you know, he knows. He's like, I gotta I gotta try to kill this thing. Like I'm I'm the last man standing. This is it. It's just me. I gotta kill this motherfucker. And yeah. so he goes toe-to-toe with the fucking predator. And it's one of my f- most memorable first last stands I can ever remember in in movies. Yeah. Is him making this stand. And I loved it. I didn't even think of that as a last stand, but that's a fucking goddamn good yeah, one. Yeah, right like I said, after you there's a couple where I'm sure we're gonna have similar similar ones, uh, and then you're like, oh, uh, Okay, here we it's go. Not as, yeah, not as good as Garrett's Busey's at last stand in Predators. <laughs> he, yeah, when he's cutting down. He, I don't know if there was a last stand. He kind of shows up, no. walks out, then they fucking He just fucking pops him. up out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah, out of left field. Okay, so for my number five, I pre-planned this a little bit. All right. Wondering on how close some of our picks would all go. All right, all right. So I'm going to hit you with some quotes and see if you know. <laughs> all right, all right. Hello, boys. I'm back. I do, because <laughs> he's, it's Uncle Eddie. <laughs> Uncle yes, Eddie going is. into space. That's got to be Independence Day. Independence Day. Uncle uh, Eddie, Mr. Russell Case, fucking driving, flying that motherfucking plane straight up in there and pulling his mask away to scream, hello, boys, I'm back, and taking down the mothership. <laughs> he is a psychotic, crazy fucking, everybody makes fun of him. For everything that he says, in the end of the day, even though Hollywood loves Will Smith as a hero, the real fucking hero of this movie, True. outside of uh, Bill Pullman's amazing fucking speech in this, just rallying everyone together and George W. Bush hopping into a fucking plane and gonna go fight, <laughs> they're gonna let the president <laughs> fucking fight in the last stand. He's the one that, that wins this last stand for him. And if you didn't know the end of fucking Independence Day, yeah, I don't at know this where point, the fuck you At been. this point, I mean, look, we've got a younger audience that listens, which is pretty fucking cool, but at the same point, these movies have been out a long time. So, honestly, that doesn't give anything away. Here's yeah. the thing. In most movies, action movies, no matter what the odds are, when aliens invade, we always somehow find a way to win. So, yeah. it's not so much that you Usually don't know Will they're going to the win. the one that pulls it off. But he got credit for this movie, and he didn't I need it. it. It's Russell. Russell fucking gets the credit. Fuck Will Smith. <laughs> I think my number four is going to surprise you. I don't think you're going to see this one coming. My number four, and it doesn't necessarily go well for those in it, but my number four is Way of the Gun. When our two boys, Benicio and Ryan Felipe, Ryan the Felipe. only movie I like him in is that movie. Parker, Parker and Longbow. Yeah, when they are at that uh, little 
rundown old restaurant in Mexico yeah, and trying Mexico. to hold off what's uh, the bag yeah man. the bagman coming. James oh, Conn and the bag bagman. So good, fucking it's a fantastic, great fucking Chris. Chris uh, fucking McQuarrie. Chris McQuarrie, the writer of Usual Suspect, his first directorial debut was in that movie. Yeah. And fantastic. fantastic. And it's film. coming up. Not Well, it's coming up in, I think it's in 2022. I do believe yeah. it. So, yeah, with that, I want to bring it to my number four. I don't have a quote for you for this one. But it's a movie that we'll definitely never talk about on this podcast. Okay. Because I'm sure everybody listening has seen it. And it is... The first of the trilogy of Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, The Last Stand. Oh, Boromir, right? One does not simply walk in to Mordor, all right? Just don't do that. I love bits and pieces. There's parts of each one of the trilogy from Peter Jackson that I love, but this by far is the highlight of the first one. It just is so good the way it progresses from going from you know sean bean's character about to fall into the the troubles of man and take the ring to then defending frodo and then it just leads into this epic fucking last stand of them just ensuring frodo gets away so it also good. foreshadows Sean Bean in another sword and sandal show you'll be in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you didn't see coming, but... Yeah, that yeah, did Sean yeah. Bean... Unless you read the book. Sean Bean, uh, <laughs> if he's got a sword, there's a good chance he's probably going to die. I'm just telling you enough. If he picks yeah. up a sword, he might die in the, in the picture. Shit doesn't end well for him. My number three was originally the biggest selling movie of all time until some small dick director had to relaunch his movie in China. It's Avengers Endgame. Yeah. We're just not going to acknowledge James Cameron or his <laughs> or Avatar ever. Fuck him. The way that they end Avengers Endgame. And again, if you have, there's no way the people listening have not seen that fucking movie. But when Falcon says, on your left, and then we see Black Panther, and the Wakandans come on, then everyone else starts reappearing, and then they start fighting, and then at the end, I am Iron Man. Like, get the fuck. That was fucking amazing. Like, the rest of the movie, yes, I will go with, like, you know, look, I'm. The first one's amazing. Infinity Wars, brilliant. Yeah. The second one, there's a lot of stuff. You, you have to kind of disbelieve. But when we get to the final meat and potatoes, the end, it kind of, for me, so good. It, yeah, it was like, all right, I, we're good. I feel better about what just happened. At that point, you're just devouring the popcorn. Oh, absolutely. Like, yes. Yes. I mean, first off, it's funny to say we can't believe in a movie that talks about time, space and time between that may not be real, but yet we've got a guy who can snap his fingers and half the population is going like, that's where we draw the line. Like, <laughs> All the superpowers I think we're good with, but yeah. this is where we draw the line. So, all right. So the first time I quoted something to you, it was easy. The second one, not gonna be so all right, easy. Let's see. I don't think. Let's see. Oh, good. For a moment there, I thought we were in trouble. Oh, you know what? I know the line. I'm just trying to put it with the movie. Um, Robert Redford. Oh, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Hell yeah, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. The fucking last stand in that when they're fucking cornered uh, by the Bavillion soldiers. It's fucking amazing. It's classic. Great fucking Western last stand shootout. Paul Newman and, and him are amazing. Yeah. That was the hardest thing with, about this was looking up and researching last stands and, and not doing all Westerns. I know. So I was like, all right, I'm going to pick a Western that I, I we haven't talked about or gushed about on this yet. And I'm like, okay, this is a really fitting one. It's perfect. It's a g- great scene. And a great last stand. And that's a fucking fantastic fucking yep. quote from Butch in that scene. All right, I'm going to give you a quote and see if you get this. 
earn this. Fuck, man. Earn this. Wait, you earn this? Character says, earn this. So it's not Saving Private Ryan. It is Saving Private Ryan. He says it to him. He goes, remember when he's, as he's dying, as Tom Hanks is dying, and Ryan comes over to help me, he goes, earn this. So good. The whole, the last thing at that that place. Fantastic. Oh, my God. The buildup. Everything. The build up that's, and then he's shooting at the tank like and then it explodes. You like last stand. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. But tell me you're not invested in the fucking thing. You love every fucking oh, every single character. second of it. Fucking everything that's going on in it. You're just like watching everyone get dropped. Fucking uh, Parker get out. Fucking when. Well, not just that, but like uh, like he gets shot. Matt Ryan's just crying and he's sitting there just shooting at the tank and all of a sudden the tank explodes and you're like. How the yeah. fuck did that happen? And then you see the planes fly over. The like, planes fly overhead. You thought you just angels on her wings. Oh, oh my so god, fucking so fucking good. So it good. was hard not to make it number one, but I think my number one is better. But by you know, like the small margin, <laughs> just a little bit. Really, really good. So my number two, you already mentioned, and it is the fantastic battle between. I'm just gonna call us for story purposes, Mr. Longbow, <laughs> my associate. And myself, Mr. Parker, is Way of the Gun. It's it's such is an the amazing last movie, stand. man. It's so amazing. Such a great last, underrated, underwatched last stand. It goes on for, a, a, again, a long time. It's probably like 25 minutes, sh- 20, 25 minutes scene that just has so many, like, different different parts of it. Yeah, well, because it's got a lot. It's a big cat and mouse game. It's so fucking good. Um, from just... You know the start of uh, the start of the last stand to like you know them noticing the bag manner here, and it's almost kind of like uh, the way that that Long- Longbow Benicio talks about the bagman to Parker to Ryan Philippi is almost like a, a folktale. They they know yeah. when it gets yeah. to this point, it is you know they've been they've been pretty good at crossing into yeah. the c- severe criminal territory. You know, they've been pretty much small-time crooks. Just that, that scene where he, when he pulls the fucking drapes aside and sees Bagman here, and he just closes it. And he just knows at that point, this is all they have left. Is It is a shootout to get to the money. It's bait in a trap. The Bagman are there yeah. to stick all this cash out to make the two of them go for it. And the only fucking thing stopping them is each other. Is they know they need to fucking shoot their way out. Grab that fucking money and go, and that is it. And it is just—it's shot so amazingly, unreal. It literally is a western shootout in oh, a yeah. modern day oh, yeah. '90s crime film. Well, my number one is loosely based on historical events, and it is by the great director Zack Snyder. It's 300. It was a tough one not to include. Yeah. Oh well, you're yeah, there, was, there was there was <laughs> a lot. The, There's this, a lot. This was, I this agree. Was a big, but 300 the, to me because the whole movie. And the reason I picked this number one, the whole movie is about the last stand. Like yeah. the whole movie it's, is, is a build up to the, the last stand. I mean, the, yeah, but the whole you know, you know they're going to get there. The mythology of them, the three hundred, is they stood up against they they stood there, blocked the gates, and fought the Persians and killed thousands of them. Three hundred against thousands. Like yeah. it is the whole story. You yeah. know, like that's to me, like it's what it is. All using their fighting skill and tactics, and the way that they were shot by Snyder, it's unfucking believable. Absolutely great. Uh, Gerard Butler's best performance ever. I don't care. Everything oh, that he's been yeah. in since, he's Easily. never been able to be as good as Leonidas. He Unbelievable, so, that, that movie. There's no so one else that could, that, could, uh, that could pull off that. Hence no. why they, they made a sequel that was not... Sucked. So Sucked. fucking bad. Fuck Awful. that movie. 
My number one is also already been mentioned by you. It's Saving Private Ryan. It is fantastic. Watching the whole progression leading up to Tom Hanks's character just going out on a fucking limb there <laughs> unloading nine millimeter rounds into the belly of a tank just that's just hoping. gonna run him over it's not gonna shoot yeah him. it's yeah. gonna run him over that's all yeah. it's, it's just gonna no run. yeah they, it can't it can't aim low enough to hit mm-hmm. him it's just gonna all. run him down yeah but everything like you're you've been so invested into everyone you've already watched several characters lose their lives and get devastated by it. Now you're down to this small knit group of people that you've been invested in. You're watching them all just go one Lose. after yeah, another. They're losing. They're done. They, yeah, they're they're losing, and it, it's it bad. Like you know, they fucking call the bridge. The dynamite section on the bridge is the Alamo. That's yeah. their last fucking stand. They and know that's where they go. Yeah, that uh, shit goes right. Fucking good old uh, Tom Sizemore again. Before he fucking <laughs> lost his career to cocaine and hookers, he said, so like, good when, he, so when, good when he fucking, uh, when he grabs fucking up him and they're running, he's like, up him, we're going to the Alamo. After he's been hit with, like, a fucking shitload of yeah. rounds. Yeah, he's dying on the part. My yeah. God. Like, yep. just in the one scene. When he dies Tom, in the Alamo. They get him over there and he'd look over yeah. and he's gone. He's, he's just gone. Yeah. God damn it, dude. Laid, you should have laid off. You had a career, and you fucked it up. Well, you have eight movies with last stands in them for you to check out. Only two that we uh, touched on at the same. So there's eight of them for you to check out. Matt is now going to lead us off with our second list before we end our podcast today. And it is, surprisingly, the I'm calling this year the year of the superhero movie. It's probably the, the greatest year of superhero movies to ever come out. The top five films of 2014, the same year that this movie came out. And there are... At least Five. I don't think they all make this list. There's five to six amazing superhero movies that came out in that year, which was stunning. So, Matt, you will kick us off with your top five being your number five of 2014. So, I'm going to start right off with my number five being our second to last film that we got until last year from Mr. David Fincher, Gone Girl. One of Ben Affleck's finest performances as well. Easily, yeah. Easily one of his best performances. Just uh, the opening scene book ended with that ending scene of them like talking about the uh his wife and uh, how he would just like to see what her <laughs> brain looks like from the inside after he smashes her fucking head in and then it ending with you know her looking up at him in this, almost the same exact shot yeah if it isn't the same shot i believe it actually just is the same shot that they used twice. So fucking good. It was the last time I seen a Fincher film in a theater <laughs> before Mank. Yeah. Since didn't get to see that in a theater. I fucking love Gone Girl. For me, my number five is our twelfth episode. It's the Rover. Yeah. One of my favorite performances so of Mr. Pattinson and obviously Mr. Guy Pierce. We this went groundbreaking in depth performance on this movie. And I absolutely love it. It's an A24 movie for all you A24 fans. Uh, it doesn't get a whole lot of recognition that that's an A24 no, movie. No, it but doesn't. But it's an amazing. Because it's early. It's early in the. Yeah, early in the catalog. And it's an amazing dystopian fucking tale. It's so fucking good. And we, you know, to hear more about it, check out our 12th episode. Because I absolutely loved it. And I, I couldn't not put it in here. It was that good. I loved it that much. With that, I'm going to take this nice old hit of pot. And take us down a road into the streets of California with Mr. Doc and Inherent Vice. Paul Thomas Anderson's most underrated film, in my opinion. Severely overlooked, 
but it's great. I actually watched it last night for, I don't even know. I, I can't count how many times I've watched Paul Thomas Anderson films. I would, uh, it's, it's like him and Tarantino <laughs> are like, it would, it'd be him, Tarantino, Kubrick. It'd be impossible for me to ever tell you the number of times I watch it. And Heron Vice is so underrated and so good. Every time I watch it, I add more to it or come up with more involving it, whether or not different parts of it are hallucinations, because the entire movie is one big stoner fest like it is the detective stoner fest extremely underrated and it was extremely underappreciated when it came out (laughs) and like um but it's it's fucking great my number four i talked about on our sequels podcast and it is x-men days of future past i think that is my favorite x-men movie of all time one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. I absolutely loved it. I've already gushed about it, but it is the perfect culmination of the new cast that plays the younger versions and the old cast that played in the originals, all centered around fucking Wolverine. It is the perfect combination. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just absolutely love that movie. It's so fucking everything, good. There's so much great about it. Everything falls into place for that one. Oh, it's so fucking good. Oh, Patrick Stewart and all of them coming back. It's just so fucking good. I absolutely fucking love that movie. Yeah, them finally merging the two together, and it's so fucking good. We get yep. Wolverine without animantium claws. Yes, yes, yeah. It's just the intro there to him first come, traveling back in time. Just his reaction to, first of all, when he wakes up in the bed with a woman that he clearly just slept with. Yes. They're already there to fucking beat the shit out of him. They don't yeah. realize they're fucking with the wrong goddamn yep. person. And then when he first fucking pulls out his claws to realize that they're not antimantium, yeah. it's, so yeah, it's so fucking good. good. But that will bring it to my number three being my favorite Wes Anderson film, The Grand Budapest Hotel. So underrated. It was the first time he was acknowledged by the Academy that year and nominated for Best Picture. Grand Budapest Hotel is so fucking good. I, again, great cameos. Harvey Keitel's cameo in that. In the prison breakout scene. So fucking good. Willem Dafoe in fucking... And Jeff Goldblum's interactions in that. (laughs) When he's like, did you throw my cat out the window? (laughs) And then, like, again, Wes Anderson, of course. Animal lovers. I'm not, like, this isn't against you at all. I love animals. Wes Anderson, if you haven't watched his films, he does tend to like to put animals to death in a very dark way royal tenenbaums this film we get a shot of a dead cat that just was thrown out of a fucking like five-story window <laughs> um it's so fucking good my number three i absolutely fell in love with this film i didn't know think i was gonna like it as much as i did but whiplash ah uh, with jk simons and miles teller there's so much so good about great. this fucking movie so much good JK won his fucking Oscar oh, for it. Oh, he so deserved it. And yeah. for those people who, I mean, it's a tough movie for people who aren't used to this kind of pushing someone to be greater yeah. than they are willing to go. And when he says that you can't make a diamond without pressure, yeah, it's true. Like, it's, I, there's so much about this. Like, the way he treats him is some people be like, oh my God, you're, it's brutal. It's, it's abusive it's, and it's like, abusive yeah, and all. Like, at the end of the day, like, just... there's a part at the end of the movie you go, Jesus. Yeah. yeah his his methods may have been brutal and... Yeah. Uh, but... But it worked. I don't know. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like, there's a lot of great people and 
he even he even talks about a story in there. Uh, it was a Charlie Parker, and he was saying like he got a symbol thrown at him by somebody, and, and while they're playing, he... and that's the re- and the reason why is because he knew he could be better. And yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. And then that's when like he finally progressed to doing what he needed to fucking yeah. What he oh, just, like fully yeah. could like become. It's such a good movie. It's an amazing, amazing movie, and it's about jazz. And sometimes you're like, "What about, about a jazz drummer?" Well, unfucking believable. It's just unfucking believable. Yeah. And every time J.K. Simons is on, and Miles Tiller is amazing. The, the two of them together, chemistry is amazing. Yeah, so fucking good in this movie. Their their chemistry is is outrageous. And w- with that, I'll pass to my number two being Damien Chazelle's Whiplash. It fucking blew me away. It's yeah. amazing. It, it is. It, it was up for movie of the year it, that year too. I mean, it lost out to Birdman. Yeah, he won. He was. He it lost to Birdman, but he was nominated for best so picture. So good, and it's so fucking. I know good. La La Land yeah. has got a lot the, of praise because for him, I still think this is a better movie. I still think it, Whiplash is a better movie. Just my opinion. I think Whiplash is a better exactly. movie. exactly. One's more musical than the other, of course, but they're two music film, music based films. La La Land would have never exist without. Damien showing what he could do with Whiplash, like for that to be like his directorial debut, and to come out and be like, "This is me," and I'm a fucking extremely. I think he was thirty or even younger at the fucking time to fucking come out and have this be his directorial debut, and just be such a fucking powerful fucking film, so intense. You know, after this year, now watching a great film about a drummer get a bunch of technical awards and get snubbed throughout everything else by the academy they at least acknowledged whiplash for jk and how couldn't they acknowledge powerhouse performance my number two (laughs) this is going to be the second movie that we have already covered Uh, i'm trying to think exactly i think this number 20 yeah our 20th episode edge of tomorrow uh, I just talked about uh, Tom Cruise earlier. I absolutely love this movie, and there's a sequel possibly coming out. The script's already been written. I think we talked about it earlier in the year when we actually talked about this movie. Yeah. When it gets made, I don't know, but I absolutely loved Edge of Tomorrow, as was evident when we put it on our 20th episode that's 16 weeks ago. It's unfortunately, I think it's like our lowest performing fucking episode as far as listens. Yeah. Is it? I don't Is understand the, why. The, but, you know, I think lowest? it's a Tom Cruise thing. I think that's what hinders it. We said that's what would happen in the movie, in the uh, podcast. But I think that um, you did say that. I'm Maybe just, we got to cover honest, Magnolia. You got, you got to see like it is really, really fucking good. It really is an amazing and fun and just great action movie. Like we said, it is um, Groundhog's Day on fucking meth. It's, it's what it is. And you know, give it another chance. Give it, a, give it a listen and give it a watch. And I think you really yeah. going to enjoy uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Wow. I'm confirming this right now. It's our lowest performing episode outside of our most recent screener into in yeah, the earth. But that's a screener, which yeah, yeah. that's a screener episode. But still, and if you have a chance, yes, watch in the earth. It's now out finally on digital, and I'm sure in a ton of theaters. But yeah, it was the first time I ever seen it, and I absolutely loved it. And yeah, it was a movie you introduced me to that I didn't know about. But that I'll bring it to my number one. Being Mr. Batman coming back to be a superhero again in Birdman. Birdman, fucking masterpiece. There's nothing about it that could change the film to make it any better. Alejandro's twofer, back-to-back wins. He started with this. He fucking closed out Revenant. We haven't seen him since. (laughs) Because 
why crazy. do you have to like at that point like it's just like i'm done that you, you could he could literally just not do anything from here going forward and he would be recognized as one of the greatest directors of our time um and it it's fantastic all the fucking supporting cast in this emma stone ed norton ed norton ed norton in in a extremely underrated <laughs> right? performance one of my favorite scenes with him in there is when they're they're film they're doing the play and him and Naomi Watts are in the bed and he gets her erection and she calls him out <laughs> and he's like just like adds it in like it's oh I'm just like like he's being yeah, method. Right? <laughs> uh and it's so good. And then when again another method scene that uh that Michael Keaton's character catches him on is when he's actually drinking booze on stage because he's drunk oh so good zach galifianakis yeah no it's it's a phenomenal phenomenal movie but it also goes to show what i said a couple weeks ago where i said matt's a front runner and he that was the movie of the year so i'm just saying he's number one it did was win. the movie of the year so once again i'm it just did. saying it beat out with Lash. now we have it on we have it on but it deserved it we e- have it on e- tape e- we've got e- this recorded i'm sorry they're right it birdman whiplash you you put the two against each other we'll pull it let's pull it all I know is that my number one is nothing like this at all. I went with Guardians of the Galaxy. I knew it you is were. the most. I knew it. I went into that movie not thinking I was going to like it. I was hesitant with the trailer no. being a talking Same. tree and a talking raccoon. And I was like, oh, I think I was like, Marvel is really fucking stretching their limits now. Like this, like they're this is gonna be the big dud. I was like, this is the one which takes it off the tracks. Boy was I wrong. Boy, was I surprised. And I think I've already said it's my favorite Marvel movie. I absolutely love Guardians of the Galaxy. I love everything about it. The next one is like another year and a half away. Comes out in two summers from now, two years from now. Um, I'm looking forward to this Christmas because they're doing the um, Christmas special. Yeah, I love Guardians of the Galaxy. Some of the movies, I remember I said that uh, a lot of these movies from 2014 was like the the year of the superhero movies. Captain America Winter Soldier came out. Spider-Man 2 came out that year. I think there's another two of them in there. But, you know, so you had that with Guardians and X-Men. It was a pretty stellar release year for superhero movies, especially good superhero movies, not just like any old superhero movies. We have nine. We only hit one at the same time. We only had one. That was uh, Whiplash was the only one we came together on. So you now have eight Last day movies, nine movies from 2014 to check out. And with that, watch this or die. So that will do it for this week's installment. Once again, we would both like to thank you for hanging out with us and letting us gush all over you about this movie. Now, we do hope that you will enjoy it as much as we have, so please let us know what you thought of this movie by reaching out to us on our social media platforms. Now, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Watch This or Die. Also, feel free to DM us your thoughts of this week's film. You can always give us your own top five list, tell us what you did or didn't like about the show, and even suggest some movies for us to watch. Now, now we hope you will join us again next week for our next movie recommendation. And as always, I'm Scott Crosher. I'm Matt LaPlante. And until next time, watch this or die.